Hey guys, we're back with another incredible episode of Career Talks. You ready? Welcome back to another episode of Career Talks. I'm your host, Orlando Haynes. Uh, excited about tonight. Excited about tonight. I got uh, a recurring phenomenal guest and another sharp brother. We're about to talk about something um, that's real. We're talking about the untapped diversity talent here in, in the country here. Uh, just about how many companies, just how many opportunities of being talent, but these folks are experts. Uh, but let me share their names if you haven't seen the promo for it. Uh, first time guest here, I have Eugene E. Curtin III. Uh, he's a global manager, talent excellence and diversity inclusion professional. And then I have Mr. Kenneth L. Johnson, president and CEO of East Coast Executives and the founder and developer of the app called Black Box. Both are in the diversity uh, space. Uh, Kenneth has a diversity in a, uh, a diversity staffing firm where he goes after supporting hires for any company that are looking for talent. Uh, and we're about to learn a little bit more about what Eugene does in depth and just talk about their breadth and their scope of the business and what their ideas are, the ideas are and what they see across uh, this landscape here as we talk about diverse talent. So without further ado, let me bring these uh, these sharp, intelligent brothers on to the screen. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how are you? All is good. You New Orlando. So I appreciate you both coming on. Uh, again, uh, Kenneth making a connection for, for me and Eugene. I put the message out there for anyone who wanted to jump on tonight because I didn't have any guests lined up. My man Kenneth answered the call and, uh, and brought this gentleman, uh, Eugene, to the forefront. And I'm definitely excited to hear both a little more in depth as we talk about you know, diversity, uh, the fight for diversity, the search, the untapped, where to, where to search for these folks. But before we get into it, um, I'm going to ask Eugene to go first and just share a little bit more about his background uh, for the viewers. Uh, well, my background has been across a number of different uh, functional areas, uh, everything from sales uh, to HR to uh management back to hr to operations and back to hr to quality and uh back to hr so uh that kind of gives you the gist uh like kenneth i spent a lot of time uh, in executive search as well as uh, founder and president of diversity search partners a firm specialized in talent acquisition of women minority and veteran candidates uh, but now i serve as global manager of talent excellence and diversity equity and inclusion uh, from Watts Water Technologies, uh, handling uh, DEI initiatives and talent strategies across 40 countries. Awesome, awesome. Mr. Kenneth. <laughs> hey, man, listen, Eugene just, he just dropped 40 countries on me. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Kenneth L. Johnson, president of East Coast Executives, the Harlem, New York-based diversity recruitment firm. As uh, Mr. Haynes said, founder of Black Box, the career consciousness portal for black men. 
Uh, this is the work we do, man. We connect and try to bring people together. Really excited to be back on the Career Talk platform, uh, Career Talks platform today. Um, man, me and Orlando, Eugene, we've had these conversations, so I can't believe that I missed the opportunity to connect these dots earlier. So thank you for answering my call last night and immediately saying, come on, let's do it. So uh, glad to be here with you today as well, my friend. Likewise. So again, appreciate you, brother. So um, let, let's start off with the, it, here I'll pose it as a question and either one of you can jump in first. The, I guess more of a myth buster. Is there a lack of diversity talent or is there a lack of awareness of diversity talent when it comes to companies uh, recruiting top talent? Anyone can field it first. All right. Well, I guess I'll kick it off. Uh, so that was a, a two part question. Uh, part one, is there a lack of diversity talent? Not at all. Uh, and I'll probably expand on that a little bit more. Is there uh, a lack of awareness of companies on where to find diverse talent? Most definitely. Uh, so that that sums it up. Uh, what I will say is companies have to understand how to extend their outreach. Uh, they have to understand what their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives are and what the uh, the performance metric or criteria is if they're going to reach out to individuals like Kevin to adequately or sufficiently support them. So they have to know what they want. You know, Kenneth is a, a fisherman and he has to know where to cash that net. So, uh, you know, that's an excuse and a, and a myth. And, and we commonly hear that. I think we heard uh, Wells Fargo CEO this past summer say that uh, there was a lack of African-American talent out there, uh, I'd challenge it. You know, in fact, there's an interesting uh, statistic uh, as it relates to, let's say, computer scientists. Uh, Howard, Hampton, Morehouse, uh, and uh, Fisk University combined turned out more African-American computer scientists than the top 10 major universities combined. Hmm. So, Orlando, that answers your question. There's no lack. You just need to know where to go. Got it. So let me let me switch it up before. Go ahead, Kenneth. And I got a follow up for you, Kenneth. Yeah, go ahead. yeah nah, I'm in agreement. I just want to say before we get too far in this, I tell <laughs> Eugene that every now and then he calls me Kevin. That's my brother's name. And it, he's never met my brother. My brother passed away, but it makes me feel like my brother's in the room when he does it. Mm -hmm. And he just did it again. And I started smiling. Because <laughs> he was going to tell me at the end of this that he didn't do it. <laughs> and so it's recorded. It's I'm going to send you the copy. <laughs> So uh, to that same question, uh, what's your thoughts on uh, the lack of awareness for, for organizations, you being a staffing firm working with these companies? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll echo um, Eugene's sentiments on it. I, I think he, he spoke it as it is. Um, there's no lack of talent. I think there is a lack of strategy around how we effectively recruit, nurture, support uh, not only the talent, but the pipelines that create that talent. So, I, you know, I, I know we can get better. And this is, I'm speaking from the standpoint of a, of a recruitment firm. Like, I can, we can be better in the way we approach it. So larger organizations, uh, I'm 100% positive they can be better as well. And they have more resources than, than we do. I do think we've been able to increase bandwidth with some of the tools out here uh, in the talent acquisition space that are, allowing for diversity filters and things of that nature. You know, Eugene's team 
they're looking across the spectrum. You know, here at East Coast Executives, we've kind of, you know, funneled in or tunneled in, if you'd say, around black and brown talent. And that's kind of our diversity equation. That's our solution. But uh, I do think, you know, just as a whole, uh, if you're just looking across the spectrum and, you know, Eugene spoke about in his past life, you know, veterans, you know, focusing in on women, maybe LGBTQ communities and things of that nature. Man, there's a ton of talent out here uh, for a lot of the companies that say they can't find diverse talent. All right, I'm, I'm going to call you on that. But then when they speak about black and brown talent, and that's the space that I operate in, I don't have a shortage of people reaching out to me. We do have some pockets where it's kind of challenging, but I think some of the things that are taking place now with remote work and people being actively willing to relocate diverse talent to support great opportunities, uh, I think we're, 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 looking, we're looking up from that standpoint. Got it. So here's the follow-up question for you, gentlemen, is this. Do you see that there's a lack of effort then from corporate America to want to partner with these HBCUs uh, or recruiting firms that offer uh, this level of talent that can meet their need, that can help top line, help bottom line, help culture, et cetera. And I'll start with you, Eugene. Uh, so I'm going to say yes, indeed. You know, being an alum of two HBCUs, my beloved uh, Alabama and University of the Hill down in Huntsville, Alabama, and of course, uh, Hampton University, the home by the sea. Go Pirates. Uh, you know, here's the thing. There's been a country club mentality that existed since day one. If you think of the reason privileged individuals join country clubs is to partner and network with individuals of like kind. And then what that spawns or births is a thought process that I also want to, when I'm in this leadership position within the corporation I'm employed with, hire like kind the same country club approach. And so there's been an exclusionary uh, thought process or methodology that's held us back for years. And that's also led to believe that because we have not had access given our land grant universities or institutions uh, in the same capacity to a Harvard or Yale or Stanford or Dartmouth or Princeton, any of the Ivies or any of the tier one universities that there's lesser quality that come out of our HBCUs. And, you know, that myth has to be busted. And there are a number of individuals across uh, the globe who have graduated from uh, prestigious HBCUs, uh, who are driving change, leading effectively, and proving that we can not only walk the walk, but talk the talk if you just do one thing for us, and that's open the door and give us a seat at the table. And so we're in a day and an age where that's being driven. So for an organization not to partner with HBCUs, you're doing yourself a disservice within your corporation. And if you truly want to uh, hire best talent, as we say, and hire it yesterday, which Kevin probably, or Kenneth, I'm sorry, <laughs> often hears, I did it again, <laughs> caught myself that time then you need to establish those strategic partnerships and relationships. Because as I mentioned earlier, uh, those numbers in computer scientists uh, that I just rat rattled off to you a few minutes ago, uh, those are real numbers. Uh, so definitely uh, corporations have to establish partnerships with HBCUs, particularly as we start to see that uh, 
dynamic change in the U.S. census population. 2020 was the first time in history that you saw the majority population declining. And obviously what that means is there's going to be a, a polarized shift that underrepresented minorities are going to become the majority probably within the next 25 years or so. And so if you want to stay uh, viable within the marketplaces that you're in, these diverse talent pipelines, particularly African-American pipelines, are critical to your existence. Awesome. I appreciate that. Kevin, I got uh, you got me calling Kenneth. Kevin, look at that. <laughs> Your brother must be in the room. Bro. In the <laughs> so here's a, a, a different question from you uh, for you is. As, as you're speaking with candidates um, in your network and there are within your network, there are alumni of HBCUs. Are you hearing that there are certain corporations that are given pushback? or no opportunity at all to connect and build that relationship to open the door, as you put it, Eugene, to um, this diverse talent to come in and, and, and actually perform and execute? Yeah, no. And, and so here's the thing, and I'm not seeing that, right, at, at scale, but my peripheral is a little different, um, just from the space that we recruit in, right? So we're recruiting mid to senior level talent. So it's not about us going to the HBCUs. It's about us connecting with probably professional organizations that, that cater to the populations that we look to serve, right? Let's say it's the Black MBAs, or let's say it's NAAAHR, the National Association of Black Accountants, whatever it is, or Prospanica. You know, so, so those are the levels where we're at. So we're not necessarily having the, you know, what schools should we recruit from conversation at East Coast Executives. It's where do we need to go to identify black and brown talent. Uh, so it's, and typically we're recruiting from the companies that are already doing a really good job of identifying black and brown talent. I just tell it like it is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good space for us. We work a referral network. Uh, people typically know a lot of people that are like them. And I mean that on every phase, uh, black people know other black people. And, and we use those referral networks to source and recruit through. Uh, but oftentimes we feel like we're at an advantage because we, we're the only people showing up. Like we do a lot of events mm -hmm. and we show up a lot of places. I'm very active with the National Urban League and their young professionals across the board, 94 affiliates, give or take. And uh, I've done videos where I was the only recruiter on the floor at the National Career Expo for the National Urban League. And not independent recruiter. There were companies there, but as an independent recruiter sourcing and searching for talent, I was standing alone. I wasn't complaining about it because I had the market locked, but uh, but it just showed me just that people are willing to kind of ignore uh, really fertile talent portals and pipelines. And that's, you know, I, I hope it changes. I, you know, I, I did a I did a thing in Philly called at Ignite Philly saying, help me eliminate my job. I don't want to do this work anymore. I don't want to be a diversity recruiter. I, I, I just think it's crazy that we have to we have to still fight this fight. Some really talented black and brown people out here that just need opportunities just like everyone else. Got it. So, Eugene, let me ask you that that question being coming from two HBCUs within your network, just in conversations with friends. Uh, are you hearing anything like that? And not to put the, so much onus on on the corporation corporations out there, but are you hearing that there is any kind of pushback or resistance to, to partnerships 
you know, when we speak to the HBCUs uh, with respect to strategic partnerships or alliances, what I can say is for uh, the top HBCUs, uh, everyone's knocking on the door. You know, it's, it's kind of in vogue to be black now. And that's something that we haven't seen in quite some time, uh, actually pretty much ever, uh, at least external to our own culture. Uh, and so you see a number of individuals trying to partner, uh, trying to throw uh, a large amount of dollars to gain access to these universities. And that's all well and good. But the reality is, is what the motive is. And the motive behind that is just to simply brand an organization to the extent where they can be viewed as an employer of choice. Now, the real problem lies, Orlando, when individuals decide I want to go work for this company and they see the culture inside this company is not one that provides not just the diversity sense that that piece, I think everybody's figured out, but the equity piece is still lacking. And so what is my pathway for development and promotion as Kenneth was alluding to, to mid-level management? And do I see people that look like me and represent my culture at the senior leadership and executive levels within the organization? And often, if you look statistically almost across most large corporations, you'll see that there's a great disparity that exists among black and brown candidates, even women uh, within those boardrooms, within the senior level ranks and the senior management ranks. So that's where the challenge comes is corporations have to be sincere about their, their motive, why they want to partner with HBCUs, because otherwise these early in career candidates, uh, once they accept are out looking for another job in that pathway promotion in about five years or so. And I'm sure that's what Kenneth sees quite frequently. I know I did when I was in that seat. Yeah. So are we past the stage yet? And this may be a rhetorical question. Are we past the stage where companies are just checking the box to your point, Eugene, to where, yes, uh, the partnership is there, they're in the door, but then the lack of equity as a full-time employee in these organizations or, or are we still in that phase where companies are just checking that diversity box and say, yes, we have black and brown people in our organization? No, let, let me jump in here. Um, mm -hmm. So I believe that the data will bear out. I don't know if we know that yet, right? Okay. But we're here having a conversation with Eugene E. Curtin III, who just shared what his title is. So there's a responsibility, and it's, it's some heavy lifting that, that people in Eugene's role that they have to do. Because uh, I spoke with a gentleman today, Rob Berea. He's uh, in a very similar capacity with Prudential. And he was saying, you know, it's just, it's interesting because when you're sitting inside, the fight's not, it's not the same fight that you see from outside, right? You know, get more black people in, get more brown people in, because you're, you're responsible organizationally to increase diversity, right? And, and, and that looks different to, every, to different people. Uh, so I, you know, man, I encourage the work that people like Eugene are doing, and a lot of people are coming into the space in those roles now, and I think that's a that's a great thing. That's a very positive thing, and hopefully with people that look a lot like Eugene and look a lot like you, Orlando, coming into the space, and especially Black women, hopefully we'll get an opportunity to see uh, a return on that investment that the companies have made to really advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, and give people some voice in the talent acquisition process as well. Love that. So talk talk to us from the inside, uh, Eugene. We were chatting before we went live. Um, 
about your role a bit. Share with us, those that are on the outside looking in, uh, some of the things that you're doing in this uh, DNI uh, office that you have. Well, you know, within my particular company, Watts Water Technologies, and I alluded to this earlier, it's really about your true commitment to diversity. Uh, so me being the, the face of the brand of that, that's one thing that we try to emphasize and drive. It's one thing to attract talent, um, but the key measurable is whether or not we're retaining that talent, maturing that talent and developing it and promoting that talent. Otherwise, you're going to have an attrition in numbers and uh, you're going to have, as we see globally uh, or particularly here within the continental United States, uh, a large turnover in chief diversity officers and diversity directors. And so we want to make sure that we are driving uh, employee awareness across the organization. Of course, trainings are kind of cliche in every company, but you have to start by creating the culture and that culture has to transcend markets and, and state boundaries to make sure that everybody's understanding of what it is we're looking to accomplish. And that's driven top down. Everybody from the board, the CEO, all the way down to individual serving or working on the factory floor. Uh, the other thing we're doing is making sure that we hear the voice of the employee. We have six employee resource groups that, that engage. Uh, the first one that was founded that really was the genesis of all things that helped embark uh, our organization on a DEI initiative uh, was the African-American employee resource group called Black Matters. And it was a group of six individuals who got together, who uh, started talking about what's impacting us uh, and what we would like to see and partnering with human resources, uh, our talent teams to make sure that uh, not only were we talking about uh, social justice and civil liberty type issues, but how do we take care of home and make sure that, as we said earlier, we have a seat at the table, open the door and have a pathway for promotion. So those are just a couple of things that we're doing. Uh, we're heavily engaged. We uh, uh, have developed our strategic plan. Of course, uh, anything that is measured gets done. And so that's the key thing is making sure that we drive metrics behind this uh, so that we can develop that strategy, measure that strategy, and hold everybody accountable to it. Is there, you know, I'll come back to that question. It, Kenneth, what, what's your, your definition for black and brown folks having the seat at the table, as Eugene mentioned, how, how do you envision that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it kind of falls in the same framework that Eugene was speaking about. Uh, it has to be, so I do believe there needs to be a strategy, especially, all right, if you're bringing in a lot of younger talent, uh, how do you ensure that this talent is supported once they get in the door? I had this conversation with Eugene in the past. There was a company I really wanted to work with, and they informed me that they had 100 hires last year, and two of them were minority hires, as we would say. Uh, one, was, one was Black, African-American, and the other one was Korean-American. And uh, I couldn't work with them because they had so much work to do to bring equity into the space. And I think that's something Eugene spoke about, you know, just having equity and working that particular side of it. Once you bring the talent in, how do you keep them? How do you nurture them? How do you retain them? And I think that's the big piece for us right now. We're, you know, when we first started out, listen, if someone told us they were willing to work with us, we were willing to work with them. So we've, we've gotten to a place where we've been able to be selective 
about who we work with because we have a responsibility to the passive candidates that we recruit out of great companies. Uh, and I'm introducing you or leading you down a path to another opportunity. And I just have to make sure it's the right one, at least from my standards. And a lot of times that's just kind of looking through and checking off our own personal boxes about who's in the room and, and how this company's moving forward with their uh, DEI efforts. I would love to place candidates in a space where I know that if someone like Eugene is driving the ship on the DEI side, because I do believe that they have a place to go if they need to have a conversation about the work environment that they've been placed at. Okay. So what's the responsibility, and I'll come to Eugene, what's the responsibility from the talent um, to make ourselves more marketable in that sense so those doors can be opened? What was your? What would you say that would be? Continue to continue to be your authentic self. You know, uh, accept who you are. Obviously, strive for excellence. Uh, be vigilant and vigilant in many aspects. Uh, present yourself professionally so that you can land that seat, uh, and be prepared to work extremely hard uh, once that door is open for you, so you can uh, create that pathway toward promotion. You know. My grandmother used to say, being African-American, you got to work twice as hard as those others who had a seat at the table. You're good, but you got to be twice as good. And, you know, as Kenneth mentioned earlier, we, we hope that we come to a day or a point in time where that's that's no longer the requirement of us. Um, but until that day comes, that's the work ethic that you need to bring to the table. So be ready uh, because it's not going to be a cakewalk. Present yourself professionally. Come in with a good, clear head and, and drive for excellence. And, and same same question to you, Kenneth. As you're vetting companies for your talent, how are you prepping them uh, to go on and be able to execute it and also be aware, right? Be aware that you're not just going in to get a job, but there's and, and this may be my thinking, and I'll cut this this um, this question short, is that to your point, Eugene, we always we're going with an extra weight on our shoulders, uh, regardless of the organization. So, how are you prepping those those folks to step into corporate America? Or yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's probably the other side of the the ledger for us. It's how do we prepare the companies? We're, you know, just the way we recruit. Uh, we're identifying SMEs in the space. We 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 recruit top level and top tier talent uh, when giving great opportunities. So sometimes we have to speak to the companies about maybe some things on the position descriptions that historically haven't been breeding grounds for diverse talent, but they're still trying to hold us accountable to those lines on the position description. And listen, if you have enough of it and you can do the job, like I had a company that, uh, they turned down a candidate. Well, we've had a discussion and we're still having this discussion. And and Eugene may tell me I'm crazy on this. He may say, you know what, Ken, I wouldn't have took, I wouldn't have taken this person either, right? But um the, it was it was a supply, it was a supply chain manager, right? So they needed somebody that had a billion dollar spend, somebody that was working at that level. So I had a person that was at 750, but it was a diverse candidate. He was strong. He came from a really good company. And they shot him down. They said, look, 
he, you know, he hasn't worked at the billion dollar level. We're going to shoot him down, but he was at 750. And I thought that might've been a little short-sighted uh, without seeing him. Now, if there was something that came up in the interview, I respect that, but they didn't even want to see him. And, and, you know, I was telling them, listen, I'm out here recruiting in the space and I'm not running across a ton of people with that type of spin that are diverse candidates at organizations that are similar to yours, right? It was a, it's a manufacturing environment. It was a little different. Um, and there were some other requirements there as well that I thought were, you know, not completely necessary. Um, so I encourage companies that we work with to kind of even look outside of the position description for fits and look for things that are, are very much aligned with the way they do work organizationally and to have conversations with those people uh, to not just shoot them down and send them back out. Wow. 250 market and didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't move forward. Just you didn't want to speak, didn't even want to speak to him. Wow. Hmm. Okay. 750, 750 million he was working with, but they're like, look, we got to be at a billion to have a conversation. Talk to you, Eugene. Should I, was I wrong? Was I did it wrong? I support you on that. Okay. Wow. So as, as we're looking at closing the gap um, between the diverse hires and in, in, in companies and mindsets and culture, uh, what are some ways that you would suggest being being on the inside as myself in corporate, uh, Eugene, in this role, right? In this this role, this highly visible role, as you mentioned earlier, offline, um, what are some fundamental but yet strategic ideas that you can put out there that some companies may be, you know, be like, wow, we didn't think of it that way. You know, I think we touched based on all those points earlier today, develop uh, strong strategic partnerships and alliances. Uh, in order to do that, you need to be able to define your strategy first off. Sit with your business leaders, understand what the organizational needs are within their functional areas uh, and develop the strategies around those. Uh, also understand the demographics. Uh, you know, it's, it's more challenging to try to market and identify candidates in some of these rural areas. If you're talking about bringing diverse talent to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, then you need to understand what support resources it is for simple things like uh, where can I find a haircut or a good barber uh, if I'm in those areas? Literally those little things. So it's more than just saying we want the talent and we're going to recruit the talent. You got to understand how to support that talent, even outside of the four walls of your organizations, if you're, again, going to retain them. So that's uh, some of the out of the box uh, methodologies that you can deploy that also equal best talent or best uh, uh, best in class uh, efforts as it relates to retention as well. There's a number of other things, but Orlando, I'm going to say this respectively. I can't tell everybody that because I won't have a job. So I'm going to keep some of it. <laughs> In myself and in my pocket. So, so we, we're going to talk offline. Then. <laughs> and, so, and, and so, Kenneth, as you're speaking with the clients that you work with, things that they've done uh, that attracted you to say, you know what, I love to work with you because I see that you're, ex you're executing at this level. What are some of those things that you've seen companies do? Yeah. So, it, you know, and again, this wasn't always the case for us. This is something that I'm not going to say it's relatively new, but let's just say this is something when we went to a retained search format, which was probably about eight years ago. Uh, that's when I thought we positioned ourselves better to have those conversations. You know, it's it's a, it's going to be there will be. Flashing red lights 
in my mind if I go through this process because we're we kind of work we work a straight sales funnel. So I'm, I, my preference is to speak to seven people within the organization prior to us agreeing to do work together, right? And if I get to six and seven and I haven't met anyone that classifies as a diverse employee from my, and for us again, black and brown talent, uh, you know, I've been places where maybe I've, I've spoken to four women, four white women, but you know, like, listen, I, I need to see some black and brown talent and some decision-making roles uh, just because I think we've seen the education of the candidate and we've also seen the availability of information. So every time I recruit somebody, even before they say, Ken, I want to hear more, they immediately go to the website and they start looking, they drop that, that about us drop down, right? And then they start looking at the board and they start looking at the, the you know, the, the people in the hierarchy and they keep getting down. I've had people come back to me and say, Ken, there's 37 people on the website. None of them are black. <sighs> Always present shot. I had a company that had more dogs on the website than wow. people of color. And I told them. So we just have the conversations. Uh, and, you know, maybe... Maybe, I, you know, maybe they introduced me to some other people within the organization that I can have a conversation with. But I really need I need that because I need, you know, again, we recruit passive candidates. So I'm literally recruiting somebody that's pretty comfortable in their job. And I'm talking to them about moving on to another opportunity. Now, the challenge is usually when companies come to us, it's because they're underperforming in the DEI space. Right. So they're, they're coming to us because they need diversity. And then I'm saying. What's going on? I don't see any diversity. So it's a the conversations get difficult. But then you can you can you can uh, you can meet me in the middle with a commitment, right? And Eugene was speaking about BRGs and ERGs and things of that nature and other things that organizations are doing to show that they're becoming more welcoming to diverse talent. I think you can you can win us over by kind of laying out what you're doing as an organization. To, uh, to welcome and nurture diverse talent. Uh, we understand that people are going to fall short at some of the higher levels. It's They're not the only companies. <laughs> There's a lot of them that are falling short in that fashion. But uh, that's a big help if we have somebody that we can point to to say, hey, they are walking the walk. Got it. So, and I should have asked this question earlier because uh, I don't want the viewers to think that this is, we're only talking about, you know, black folks, brown folks, um, but share with us a deeper definition of, you know, diversity when it comes to, you know, diversity and inclusion and equity. So uh, Eugene, break that down for, for folks that are, that are going to be watching this uh, a little deeper. So the reality is there are four total pillars. If we look at it in that aspect, uh, you know, we often hear diversity, equity, inclusion, and now what you commonly forget is the sense of belonging. And that's all inclusive across the board. So diversity is simply uh, a concept or an understanding that we need to embrace all cultures, that we need to invite everyone, let's say, to the dance. Equity means that we're providing opportunities uh, in similar fashion to everyone and everyone is able to compete and providing uh, those opportunities in an equitable fashion. Now, 
I said equitable before I started defining equity because equity alludes to the resources. Everyone has to have not only that access that is the inclusive piece, but the resources and the opportunity. That's that seat at the table that you hear us referring to, to get there, to be acknowledged, to be their true selves, which now transitions into that sense of belonging. If all of that is provided and I can't be my authentic self, you're starting to see dress codes kind of fall off a little bit, dress codes in terms of hair policies uh, and things of that nature. You're starting to see a understanding in terms of diversity of thought or neurodiversity start to transcend. There's a number of case studies done by Harvard, published in the Harvard Business Review or Boston Consulting Group or other reputable consulting organizations that state that if we have diversity of thought in an organization, it enhances the sense of belonging and companies, as we talk about the business case, are much more productive. It's hitting that bottom line. And that's what's most important to those uh, at the C-levels or particularly the CEO. That's part of their responsibilities to make sure that we impact the bottom line in a positive measure. So that's really the genesis and the definition of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And those are the principles that if you're well-rooted in each of those areas and you understand uh, the goal and objective as defined as we've mentioned throughout this uh, discussion and you're sincere, uh, you're setting yourself up for success, you're exposing your weaknesses and you'll have the ability to close those gaps. And, and let me ask you a follow-up question. And let me know if this is a fair question for you. Do, do you feel or think as though being African-American in the diversity and inclusion role, there's it, there's this added pressure versus a white, a white counterpart to you know bring on diverse talent? It, do you feel that at all? Is, is that a real thing? Uh, you ever see the movie Bagger Vance? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, uh, there's there's a misconception in the diversity world that everybody black or brown or mm -hmm. a woman is a diversity subject matter expert. And I can assure you that everyone who's black or brown or a woman is not a diversity subject matter expert. So, you know, in order to Yes, you don't need to be a diversity practitioner by trade uh, in order to lead a diversity initiative. But I can say you need to ultimately develop the skill set. You need to ultimately have the passion and you need to develop, most importantly, the knowledge and the networks in order to be able to lead this effectively. One final piece to that, Orlando, is I will say you have to have the ability to influence just because you want to see it. It won't get there. So is there pressure? Most definitely. Uh, because anytime uh, you have an underrepresented minority population leading any initiative or any organization, let's be real. We don't inherit something unless it's already broken. Okay. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the NFL. It doesn't matter if it's Major League Baseball. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter if it's a Fortune 500. We don't inherit it. Just like Kenneth said, they don't come to him unless they're already failing in many areas. And so in order to maintain our positions, what do we have to yield? That ring, that Super Bowl, or in this case, those results. So uh, there's pressure that you cannot even comprehend at this point. But again, I just want to be clear in saying that uh, every black 
brown person or woman is not a subject matter expert on diversity. So corporations, please do yourself justice and stop thinking that. Well said. Well said, sir. <laughs> and Kenneth, uh, and, and I want to be mindful of you gentlemen's time. So as you and I want to jump to black box and tie this together, because um, you mentioned earlier, you want to kind of uh, and I know I, I assume you were genuine when you said you want to kind of get out of this diversity you know, of recruitment because we shouldn't be in this conversation. This shouldn't be a niche for this. It just be, we should be hiring talent, right? But you also have a passion for developing uh, black and brown people, hence developing uh, black box. What's the vision going forward for black box um, that you have? Yeah, uh, great question. And yes, very, uh, very sincere and transparent in my desire to not do the work. Uh, on top of the fact that it's been 20 years, I, you know, like mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been here for a minute doing this work. So I'd, uh, yeah, I'd like to kind of do something else, I guess. But I don't, I don't, you know, I understand where, where my passion is. And I think, you know, that's where Black Box comes from. It's just a passion to support underrepresented talent. In this case, uh, it's Black talent and it's Black men and Black males in general. Uh, you know, the, the vision for it, I'll be completely honest with you, Orlando. It's it's changed as I released it, right? You know, just a resource portal, give people an opportunity to, to kind of go in, bounce around, get the information they need. All of you understand this, I know, because I've spoken to you guys. People come to us, hey, do you got any tips? I got an interview. You have any tips for me? You know what? would you take a look at my resume like all of this stuff and i never had the time to do it because i was too busy trying to survive and work my business uh so with that being said i wanted to create a resource portal where i can kind of you know do some group think right and have some other people in the space that are even in the app that can take some of that off of me right and support and help other people now granted i've been in a unique situation because i do so much work with with the urban leagues like i had mentioned philly new york national so i do get a lot of people that come to me we did the tour for fannie mae we were at 20 colleges um those kids call you back they reach out to you on linkedin and you don't want to say no but I, I needed a place to send them hey you need 100 behavioral based interview questions go to the black box app they're in there right so that was the original thought and then as as we launched and released it and start having conversations people started saying, hey, you know what? You ever think about internship and apprenticeship programs running through the app? Like companies have came to me with this. And I'm like, yeah, we thought about it, of course, right? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> we, let's, 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 uh, let's take a deeper dive into the conversation. And then, you know, we just started, you know, thinking about the podcast. I had been fighting doing a podcast because I was doing a radio show in Philly anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, we were doing a career seeker show on 106.5 FM out there. So, the whole podcast thing, I'm like, I'm not going to do a radio show on a podcast, and I didn't want the radio show to be the podcast. But now um, everybody's like, no, Ken, you have to show people like Orlando, you have to show people like Eugene to not just the younger talent that's coming into the space, but the people that are mid-managers and even senior-level individuals that may be looking to pivot or may be looking to just have an ally in the space that they can speak to. Uh, so they're like, you have to do it. So... Now the podcast is in the black box app. So it's it's evolving and that's getting me really excited. 
uh, because I, you know, I'm starting to see others' excitement for it. So thank you for mentioning that, mentioning the uh, the black box app, by the way. Uh, but I'm starting to see it, you know, from a lot of different spaces where people are like, you mm-hmm. know what, I think you're onto something, and you can do this within that to be uh, very impactful to large numbers of black men. And at the end of the day, I have a son. Uh, I know Eugene has a son. Uh, Orlando, I think you got all girls. All girls, bro. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, tell them stay tuned. Tell them hold tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. But, uh, but yeah, we're just, you know, we're just trying to to find our way through. We launched in July. So I don't know, what's what are we, five months in, give or take? Uh, just trying to fill it out and trying to find the time. I had to actually cut back on some of my other consulting things that I do to focus in on Black Box. So I think early first two quarters in 2022 are going to be humongous for us. I think you'll hear a lot from the Black Box front. So stay tuned. And hopefully you'll invite me back to talk a little more about it. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and Eugene, I just want to say thank you again as we close out uh, for stepping up at the last minute, man, and sharing your insight, being in the role, fighting the fight and being transparent. Uh, and sharing your insight uh, in, in this war uh, of untapped talent, you know, with diversity and inclusion. So I appreciate you, sir. Orlando, I got to say thank you. And uh, if I can, I, I got to correct uh, Kenneth on one thing because he's going to start the, uh, a large scale wrestling match. Uh, I have five children, so I got to give shout outs and acknowledgement to all of them. Uh, I just knew you had a son. I just knew what I knew one of them was a boy. So (laughs) they all mind. I'm claiming them all. So I got to give acknowledgement to all five. So uh, five there is. But uh, thank you very much, Orlando. Uh, Pleasure being here tonight. Look forward to connecting with you again. Yes, sir. And Kenneth, obviously, your your innovation uh, with this movement and your commitment to diverse talent as well, brother. I appreciate you both. Man, thank you for having me. Now Eugene didn't put me on the spot. I got a daughter. I have a daughter. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You just called out your son. Yeah, she going to get you, man. Yeah, I just called out my son. But yeah, I, do have, I do have a daughter. Uh, so let's get yeah, Eugene didn't put me here. I'm like, no, what? I'm going to hear this myself, actually. But look, oh, I want to thank you for, you know, just inviting us on the platform. Uh, you know, I, again, you know, said it last time I was here, man. I, I admire your work your passion for it. Like there's a lot of people out here doing it, but I think you do it. You do it as good as anyone in the space, man. And I, you know, I I say that with all sincerity. So thank you so very much for the invite. Eugene, thank you so very much for coming into the room. Um, I I appreciate you, brother. Trust me. Uh, And, uh, and look, man, we're going to do it again. I already got something for you. I just haven't told you yet. So we're going to do it again. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, follow folks that are watching this now and the folks that are watching the replay. Follow Eugene as he, as he put content out there, uh, as well as uh, Mr. Kenneth Johnson. And for the brothers out there, go ahead and download that app, Black Box. But, gentlemen, again, enjoy your night. Enjoy your families. And I appreciate you. Thank you, Orlando. Appreciate you. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for watching another episode of Career Talks. My sole mission is to provide actionable advice for job seekers that will impact their career and ultimately their life. But I need your support. So if you can simply subscribe to the podcast so I can take this message further, I would greatly appreciate it. I look forward to your support and I'll see you next week.